discussing Bible study. One of them said, what I do is have a reading plan. It's laid out how many chapters a day I can read, and it helps me stay in the Bible. Second one said that she had a little more detailed study guide that she subscribed to, and it led her through one book at a time, and she studied a book in detail and really enjoyed soaking in the Bible that way. The third one said, well, that sounded like a lot of trouble. It was a lot easier than that. Uh, Where he went to church, they had a guy that studied the Bible and read it all week, and then on Sunday he gave them a book report. A lot easier that way. Uh, We found out Thursday that our guy that does the regular book report had COVID. Uh, So your book report's up to me today. And I decided what to do with that is uh, start off with a book report of one that would been on my mind lately. It's a fiction book. Many of you have read it. It's by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. If you haven't read it, uh, let me reinforce that it is a fiction book, and it's a collection of letters that C.S. Lewis imagined, written from one demon to another demon. Uh, the senior demon is Screwtape, is what, who's writing the letters, and he writes them to his junior demon, Wormwood. Now, Screwtape instructs Wormwood throughout this very short book how to deal with the human that he's been assigned to. And that's the concept of the book, uh, that every human has a assigned demon, and that demon's goal is to bring his patient, is what C.S. Lewis calls them, bring his patient home to our father below. And that's the term that he uses throughout the book for Satan. And the other goal, a complementary goal, is to keep his patient away from the enemy, who he calls God as the enemy. So that's the basics of the book. It's about a battle for a soul. And Wormwood writes letters to Screwtape and describes things and then we don't see those letters, and then Screwtape answers them and gives his advice, his counsel on what Wormwood should do with his patient. Uh, it's a fiction book. It's very short. It's easy to read in an hour or two. It's very clever. It's very profound in many ways. I, I recommend it. If you haven't read it, read it. If you have read it before, read it again, because a lot of the concepts in there Ring pretty too true in uh, 2021. Uh, we may have a little more detail about that later, but uh, when you read it, this book makes you think. And that's why I picked it to start today, because I want us to think in just a little bit different way than we do sometimes. I want us to think What this book makes me think of is the question, who's winning? When you read through this and you see the schemes of screw tape and wormwood countered by the enemy and uh, and all of that, you, you see it's a battle going on. And some days one seems to be winning and another, another seems to be winning. And it just makes me think of that question, who's winning? 
And in answering that question, I think there's at least three levels that it makes me think of. So let's go through those. First is who's winning the, the big battle, the cosmic battle. Uh, the book is about one patient and one demon, but our book tells us that there is a big cosmic battle. There goes that. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, here's what Paul told the church in Ephesus. He said, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's a big cosmic battle going on that we don't recognize very often. We don't think about it that way. Uh, Sometimes we hear something that will make us think about it. I got a question a couple of weeks ago on Know Your Bible. viewer said, do you think that the pandemic has anything to do with the rapture? The, The end of time. Do you think the pandemic means that Jesus is coming back pretty soon? And my answer to that was, no, I don't think so. I think the pandemic just proves that we live in a broken world. Uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with the end of time particularly, except for the fact uh, that it does make me kind of yearn for the end of time. It makes me understand the prayer, Lord, come quickly. But I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I, I don't even know who caused the pandemic. Now, some of you have got it figured out. Oh, either the Chinese or Bill Gates or somebody. But I don't know who. I do know this. However it was caused, God allowed it. And Satan loves it. Beyond that, I don't know much. But God has allowed it to happen. Satan loves it. Now think of this in cosmic terms for a moment. Just think, imagine, go back to February of 2020. You know, one year ago. And think about if you were in this cosmic battle and had a role to play in the unseen world, if somehow you could sprinkle a few microscopic viruses around and get the results that we've seen in a year. If you could sprinkle a few viruses around and turn the whole world upside down, cause economic disaster, cause panic and fear and isolation and division and dissension. If you could sprinkle a few viruses around and get the United States of America to to divide into camps with every camp certain that they know the absolute truth. And people who don't hold to that certain absolute truth are evil. And on top of it, nobody knows the truth. If you could get all this done in a year, 
If in a year you could sprinkle a few microscopic things around and take the family unit and get it to separate from each other when they need each other the most. In hospitals and nursing homes and loneliness and death and all of that and keep the family apart where they can't support each other. Can you imagine the benefits of that in the cosmic battle for one side? If you could sprinkle a few microscopic things around and take the Lord's church and get them to cancel getting together by law sometimes, And even when it is allowed by law, get them to decide that a lot of them will not assemble. I know some people can't, but people decide they will not assemble. They will stay home on Sunday. They will stay away from fellow Christians. And I'm not saying that's a bad decision. I'm just saying, think if you could get that to happen in a year. And you were in the cosmic battle. If you could set out at the start of a year and say, I will somehow cancel women's conferences. I will cancel family camp. I will cancel work camp. I will cancel potlucks. I will cancel fellowship. I will cancel personal Bible study. I will stop that for a year and keep Christians apart. If you could imagine a way to sprinkle something and get Christians to distrust each other. Get them to question each other, to snipe at each other on social media, to judge each other about vaccines and masks and things like that. And whether they're six feet apart or eight feet apart. If you could sow so much fear and certainty of opinion that Christians would tell each other and tell their elders, I'm not coming back no matter what. Well, I'll come back if Dr. Fauci tells me it's okay, but other than that, I'm not coming back. Or I'm coming no matter what. You can't stop me from assembling. Or I'll come back as long as you make everybody do things the way I want them to do it. Or I'll come back as long as you don't make everybody do things the way that I don't want them to do it. And with all of that, if you could get elders to spend 75% of their time worrying about this stuff instead of prayer and the word. Uh, Just imagine, and don't go to your personal feelings on this, we're talking cosmic now. Just think, in the big battle, if you could do all of that in a year, you think screw tape and wormwood would be pretty happy about all that? And if you think about it that way, you've got to ask the question, who's winning? Who's winning in this big battle? The second level that this little book makes me think of is... Uh, who's winning the personal battle? There's a big cosmic battle 
But there's also a personal battle over everyone's soul, over my soul, over your soul. Let's read Galatians chapter 5, a few verses. Verse 13, we'll start. Paul said, you've been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The whole law can be summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. That's become one of my favorite passages because it answers almost every problem in Christianity. Because that passage tells us it's always the spirit versus the flesh. No matter what kind of trouble, no matter what kind of dissension, no matter what kind of disagreement, no matter what kind of mess we're in, it's spirit versus flesh. It's what it always is. In my life, in your life, it's always spirit versus flesh. Now, C.S. Lewis never explained exactly how this works, but he makes you think. And our book doesn't ever explain exactly how it works, but it says it happens. It's always flesh versus spirit. Now, in the screw tape letters, it gives you some hints and it makes you think about how it works in your life, how it works. And one of my favorite little stories in there is uh, Wormwood had written to screw tape that uh, his uh, patient was starting to think logically and think about spiritual things and, and he wanted to know how to best argue with him. And how to defend what he wanted in his mind. And Screwtape told him, said, yeah, don't worry about that. You know, and he told him a story. He said, I had a patient once who was a sound atheist. And I had him in my control real well. And, and one day, he was reading in the library. And Screwtape said, I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way. He said, the enemy, that's God, the enemy, of course, was at his elbow in a moment. And he said, my 20 years of work began to totter. He said, I could have attempted the defense by argument, but I'm not such a fool. I suggested it was time for lunch. He said, once I got him out of the library and into the street, once I got him to look at the newspapers and see the buses and see real life, the battle was won. And he concluded his little story by saying, he is now safe in our father's house. That makes me think. 
how does the flesh draw us away from spiritual things? When we start to have a spiritual thought, when the spirit prompts us, what gets us away from that? Let me tell you just a little bit more about the little book and some of Screwtape's counsel. One thing he told Worm was, what was I already mentioned, it, don't argue. Don't get into arguments. He said, that moves the struggle onto the enemy's own ground. See, if you're dealing with facts and truth, God wins. So, so don't let them go there. Avoid the facts. Avoid the discussion of truth. Keep it on opinions and feelings. Well, you got it made then. Another letter that interested me, Wormwood wrote to him and said, my patient's starting to pray more. I'm worried about that. And Screwtape said, prayer's all right. Praying's okay as, as long as you lead him to keeping it really spiritual, really vague things. Like, it's okay if he prays for his brothers and sisters' souls. But don't ever let him get down to where he does something for his brother or sister. C.S. Lewis wrote the book in 1941, 42, somewhere in there. World War II was starting. So he's got a few chapters about that where the junior demon writes and says, A war's starting. This was wonderful. This will stir up all sorts of things. And screw tape counsels him that no, it's not that big a deal. Men always having wars and there's ups and downs all through a human's life. It doesn't matter whether it's up or down or bad or good. It just matters how we use them. It matters what direction we push them when they're at the bottom or at the top. He said, for instance, on your patient, he said, we got to decide whether he's better fit to be a, a patriot or a pacifist. And once we decide that, then we push in that direction. But what's important, it doesn't matter which direction. What matters is that we push him to be an extreme patriot or an extreme pacifist. That's what causes all the problems. Let's get him to be extreme about anything. Another letter from the junior demon said, my patient started going to church. I actually said first he's become a Christian and now he's going to church. And Screwtape said, eh, don't despair. He said, we save a lot of them after they do that. He said, that doesn't matter. In fact, he said, one of our best weapons, one of our best tools is the church itself. He said, we get him in there and get him to looking at the other church members. Get him to looking at them and thinking, well, they've got this problem. And they're wrong on this. And I don't like the way they do this. So that's one of our best tools. If we can get him to focus on the shortcomings of everybody else instead of ever thinking about himself. He said another defense here is to get him some new friends. He said, get him some folks that seem all educated and wonderful and all that, but 
the purpose of getting these new friends is to take him out of his orbit around the enemy. Yeah, he's going to church with other Christians, but if we can get him some new friends, draw him away from that a little bit. Get him out of that orbit. Keep, keep him from associating with the enemy. He said, that'll work. One of his best pieces of advice, he said, get him into a church that's a party church. Not a fun party kind of thing, but a, a divisive party kind of church. And Screwtape said, it doesn't matter what it's about. It, it, it won't be about doctrine. It, it's not about that. But it'll be about some indifferent things. I get him into a church that fights one way or another about some indifferent thing. He said, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Get him in that kind of church. Okay. When you look at those personal Attacks, those personal ways that C.S. Lewis portrayed that personal battle. It makes you ask, who's winning? Who's winning in your personal battle? The third level that this book makes me think about is, what's the front line? What's the key part of the battle? And to me, there's one thing that Jesus prayed for. Now, this is the big prayer in John 17 around there, the, the high priestly prayer. Jesus was getting ready to leave the earth, and he was asking the Father for how he wanted things to go after he left. And first he prayed for the disciples, the, the apostles. And then in verse 20, he said this, I don't ask for these only, but also for all those who will believe in me through their word. And here was his prayer, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory you've given me, I've given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That's John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23. Jesus' high priestly prayer in this big cosmic battle, in the personal battle for souls, in all of it, he said, I want my followers to be one. Perfectly one. And that's the way people will see that you sent me. Now, if you look at it at that level, that's what I'm asking you to do here. Look at Jesus' wish, Jesus' prayer, Jesus' big request. Look at Northside in February of 2020, and look at Northside in February of 2021, and ask yourself, who's winning? What do we do with this combination book report and sermon? My hope is that we think differently. That we ask the question more often, who's winning? Whatever the situation. 
whether it's cosmic or national or family or church or one-on-one, what's the spirit desire? And how's the flesh detract from that? What's the spirit want me to do? What's the spirit want us to do? And what pulls us away from that? That's this battle that we're talking about. That somebody's winning or losing. Here's an interesting thought for you. Screwtape said this. One time, it kind of shocked me when I read it the first time. He told Wormwood, he said, you got to understand, humans are amphibians. He said, they're half spirit and half flesh. And he said, because of that, as spirits, they belong to the eternal world. But as animals, they inhabit time. And so he told Wormwood, and I'll paraphrase here, our goal is to keep their focus here. Don't let them focus on the eternal things. The problem is they're half spirit and half flesh. So continually get them to focus on this world. Think that the things here are the most important. Teach them to value the material things. Keep their focus here, not there. Now, when you think about it that way, let me make you a guarantee. I will guarantee you that whether you've paid much attention to this sermon or not, I will guarantee you that this week, maybe in the next 10 minutes, the Spirit's going to prompt you. And the flesh will try to distract you. That's the way this battle works. The spirit will prompt you to do what's right. And the flesh will seek to distract you. Sometime this week, something of eternal consequence will present itself. The devil will try to turn your attention to temporal things. The Spirit will show you how to advance the battle line in the cosmic battle. And Screwtape and Wormwood will try to get you to retreat. Now when that happens this week, don't let that distraction just pull you right away. First ask real quickly, well who's winning? When you feel the Spirit prompt, stay on that for a little while. And if you start to slip away from it, say, hold it, who am I letting win here? Because it's always flesh versus spirit. This week, I guarantee you, Satan is going to whisper to you, however he does that, that what matters most is your opinion, your rights, your way, your feelings. And he's going to whisper that, and the Spirit's going to whisper that at the end of the day, it's really about a cross and an empty tomb and a soon-coming king. Not about you. Who will win? We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you've got some public need, the elders will be at the back to greet you. Let's stand and sing.